Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition. We're so glad you're able to join us today, and we hope you're having a great Tuesday afternoon. My name is Drew. I'm the host uh, at BibleQuest.org, and I'll bring in the panelists here. Scott, our program director, is with us. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing fine, Drew. Great. And I got to stop sharing here so I can see you when you start talking. We also have Jonathan with us. Hi, Jonathan. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm still uh, trying to get the live stream going on Facebook, but we're good on Zoom, so you can keep going. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, there's sometimes Facebook's, uh, Facebook goes, oh, there we go. Looks like it's live on Facebook now. Hopefully we are. So, uh, so today we're going to be talking about an interesting topic. I was asked a question this week. Uh, we we're talking about uh, the foreknowledge of God, his plan of salvation that he knew beforehand. He predestined that Jesus would be the savior. And the gentleman asked me, he says, well, if, if God um, foreknew that and he planned all of that before even creating uh, everything uh, does that mean God didn't plan very well? Didn't He know that we were gonna gonna sin? And uh, I said, well, God knows everything, right? He does know everything. Um, I said, but we also He also gave us free will, and we chose we choose because He said, I think the question was, uh, if Adam and Eve never sinned, then we wouldn't have needed the Messiah. Now, I didn't throw that at you before, Scott, but that was part of the questioning as well. And I said, well, if Adam and Eve didn't sin and nobody after him never sinned, I guess. I don't know. That's a lot of, that's a big if. So the question is, did, didn't God know all about this? And if so, couldn't he make, and that was the thing he led up to, well, couldn't he made us uh, in a way that um, we wouldn't have sinned? He wouldn't have needed to do all of that. Again, that goes back to free will. He wants us to come to him in a volunteer uh, way. Scott, you wanna you wanna break open this little package? All right. Well, let, let's start with some biblical text. Mm -hmm. And uh, in a minute, if uh, some guys can be maybe taking us through some of the key texts in Genesis one, and then Genesis two, and then Genesis three. Uh, not to read every those. Uh, unrelated but the ones particularly related to the topic but let's before we read though and then we're going to be looking at a really important verse i think in romans chapter eight mm -hmm. uh, one jonathan mentioned uh, a bit ago uh just for one on the air um but before that let's look at ephesians one where it mentions the eternal purpose of god excuse me ephesians three ephesians three um he talks about in verse 11, according to the eternal purpose, which he purposed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So if there was an eternal purpose in Christ Jesus, including him being the savior for, for Jews and Gentiles, then that obviously infers the knowledge that man was going to need a savior. Mm -hmm. Man is only going to need a savior if man has done what? Sin. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, this does not come across as a surprise that man has sinned. But let's back up now and uh, somebody start taking us through Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then we'll move forward from there. 
Yeah. So in Genesis one, um, it, it starts off when, you know, there's nothing, God is there. Uh, and so Genesis one, one in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it goes through in Genesis chapter one, him through the different days of creation, first creating light and then creating, you know, land and creating the skies and the heavens and then creating the plants and the animals. And then he finally makes man at the, uh, on the sixth day. And as he's going through making the different days, you can just scan through in, in your Bible, uh, at kind of the conclusion of each one of the days in Genesis one, uh, in, um, um, verse John, John and I hate to interrupt you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, but we are broadcasting live through the Zoom app. Okay, uh, yeah, yes. I, I see we are now. I'm sorry. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Continue. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, yeah, so in at the end of verse 10, um, God creates the waters and he saw that it was good. Um, and at the end of verse 18, whenever he created the sun and the moon and the stars he saw that it was good and so on and so forth. He's making things and it was good making things and it was good. And then there's a little bit of a variation at the end of the chapter after he makes man in his own image and, you know, breathes, you know, life into man in verse 31 of Genesis one, God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. So it's kind of like the pinnacle of creation is finally made the pinnacle of creation being man in God's image. And, and it's very, very good how it's operating there. And you get a little bit of insight in chapter two of God's relationship with man, where he meets with Adam and he tells Adam uh, what's required of him um, and, and how he needs to tend to the garden that he's been put in. Uh, and there are different, you know, rules and laws that they need to follow. One of those in particular is to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's in uh, the garden that God has put there. And uh, so everything is going really well. Uh, God makes woman because men. Let's read that verse there in chapter two about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yeah, so um, in uh, chapter two, verse 15, the Lord took man and he put him in the garden of Eden to work and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So there's the requirements of what man has to do to keep the garden, to tend to it. And he can, you know, eat of everything, anything that he wants, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's where God has put the boundary up. Um, and the penalty for that, you notice, is death. The day that you eat of it, you'll die. And afterwards, uh, the Lord notices that it's not good for man to be alone. He creates woman, and then you have Adam and Eve, and they're the two first humans um, that are on the earth, uh, and they're in the garden. You get to chapter three, and Satan comes onto the scene, and uh, he introduces temptation to Eve. Uh, and so in verse one, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. And he said to woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took it of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Um, and so they directly violate the commands of God because of their own personal desire and the temptation of Satan uh, introducing that there. And you go from 
in the end of chapter one to God making all creation and it's very good to this offshoot of where man and woman are following after their own desires and doing their own thing and not listening to what God has told them to do and sin enters into the world and as a result penalties for sin enter into the world uh, and like what God said one of those is death with various other penalties I don't know if you want to spend time reading through God's conversation with the man and the woman uh, after that and some of the punishments that they were going to get but uh, there are thorns that come up um, woman is to suffer pain in childbirth and various other things as a result of that. Yeah, and there's lots of problems and, and there's going to be death. And as we go through the Bible, we'll see there are two types of death. What are the two types of death? Yeah, one of them is physical death, um, which is, in my understanding, it seems like uh, one of their penalties at the end of Genesis chapter three is they're cut off from the garden where the tree of life is. And so they're doomed to die a physical death as every other human with two exceptions um, were doomed to die a physical death. Um, but then the other and more important one is the spiritual death, separation from God. Right. And notice that in James, physical death is described as a separation. The body, apart from the spirit, is dead. And, of course, spiritual death is a separation, uh, Isaiah 59. It's not that I can't hear you or see you. It's that your sins have separated you from me. And in Ephesians, it'll say you were dead in your sins, you know, separated from God, etc. All right. So let's go back now and talk about uh, these verses that Jonathan has read for us. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And again, that verse that Jonathan took note of, and I'm going to go ahead and share a screen here. Um, in the beginning, uh, he's made everything. And it says, God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. Now, at this point in Genesis 1, 31, are male and female humans on the earth yet? Uh, at least male are. It's kind of hard to see uh, the exact order of events uh, because it seems like, seems like chapter 2 kind of backtracks a little bit, but man has at least been made. We have actually go back to verse 28, and it says he created them male, oh, yeah. male and female. Yeah, and female. Yeah, so chapter 2 gives a more specific breakdown. But at this point, so we've had day one, day two, day, day and, and then now we're today to the day of rest. And God saw, well, after all the days um, uh, of creation, and he's created man, male and female. So Adam and Eve were there. God saw everything that it was he had made, and behold, it was very good. Yep. Uh, so a question I've posed to people for years is when God looks down at this world today, just think about the news over the past year or the past week. When God looks down at this world today, or just think about our own lives, does God look down today and go, oh, very good? No, I would, uh, no. You mean as Not, compared to no day way. six? <laughs> As compared to day six, no, I don't, I don't it's think not, it's, it, What is Paul called in Galatians 1? This present evil world. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's good in it, but there's evil in our own lives. There's been evil in the world around us. There's evil. Uh, when we have locks on our cars and doors because there are people that are evil. We have crime and detectives solving homicides because people are evil. 
This is, we have the pornography industry making billions of dollars because people are evil. Uh, the prostitution industry, et cetera, et cetera, the drug industry. This is an evil world. So mm -hmm. what happened, and of course, Jonathan has read to us what had happened, uh, and that was sin. Now, here's something I want to throw out. There are still places that look very good. Mm -hmm. For example, I would say that's very good. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I would love to be there. That would be a nice place to be right now. I could just sit there for a while and enjoy the sounds and the sights. And I would be really, there's nothing there to displease me. It is very good. And I would be willing to drink some of that water. Maybe it's coming off of a melting glacier or something. Um, do you guys see any problem there? That looks beautiful yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, now, there's, there's something not in that picture. What's not in that picture? Uh, animals or humans? <laughs> yeah, particularly uh, us. <laughs> you know, if Bambi went by there, I'd, I'd still find no problem with this picture. Um, if there was a mosquito, I wouldn't like him. But uh, we're not there. This is still very beautiful and good. Now, let's follow this stream. We're going to make a metaphor here uh, based on like the clean water in this stream. Let's say as we come down from the mountains, we come to this stream here. Now, if you had a choice of drinking from the water from there or there, which one would you pick? Oh, for the first one, you don't know what's uh, going on here after that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and as you go through this little village, maybe there's some little pipes and stuff running <laughs> you know, down in here. We don't know what else coming into this water. I would rather be upstream of this than downstream. But it's still... Pretty beautiful, wonderful there, right? Very peaceful. Yeah, good. It looks good. It looks good. Let's follow a river until it gets down to a place in a big city like this. Anybody want to drink that water? I don't even want to touch it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, I baptized a guy in the Danube one time. And, oh, that river smelled so bad. It would have, my shoes stank after being in the water. Um, you know, we don't what's happened well here's some physical pollution but let's start thinking about the the analogous spiritual pollution how much sin is going on right here none right now here i this is probably maybe a village you might be able to leave your door unlocked you know you might be able to trust all your neighbors maybe you don't even need a policeman in this little bitty village but does that mean there's no sin here no yeah. Over here, you might have an alcoholic. Over here, you might have a woman ignoring her child or cheating on her husband. Over here, you might have an old man watching his pornography. Over here, you might have a priest taking advantage of the people or misrepresenting the word. There's sin here, mm -hmm. but not as much sin as, say, in the city of Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. This picture was taken. Can you imagine being God and hearing... Imagine being a judge in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. a family court judge, where every day you hear child custody, child abuse, uh, di uh, divorce arguments, failure to pay, uh, child support arguments. Murder. All, yeah, murder. Well, I'm just, yeah, well, sometimes but I'm thinking about just in a family court oh, okay. where people are supposed to love each other. 
you know, just in family court. Think of how miserable your day would be listening to all the filth and trash and excuses and wickedness that would be done mm-hmm. in your courtroom. Mm-hmm. And each case that comes before you, you might hear it for an hour and a half or for two days or something or a week, but how many countless hours of sin have gone on in that home before it made it to your courtroom? Now, imagine being God and having to listen to that for 24 hours a day all over the world. Mm -hmm. All right, let's proceed. Um, God made everything good, and yet then we have the problem of sin. Mm -hmm. And and of course, did they get to stay in the garden? Did they get to stay in paradise where everything was good? No. No, not once they sinned, no. Yeah. And so they are removed and they are separated. And the message of rebellion, going back to what Jonathan read us, the Satan's answer about God was what? You will not die. Which is basically saying, you don't need to be afraid of God. Mm-hmm. You don't need it. And what did he say to Eve about herself? Well, then didn't, didn't he also say, you're going to be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to eat of it. Yeah, so you can ignore God and exalt yourself. That is still the message of rebellion, Jonathan. Yeah, and what's what's interesting to notice in that, in that story that happens in Genesis 3 and what what uh, Satan is, is tempting Eve with, it ties really, really perfectly into what John says in 1 John chapter 2. So I don't know if you're going to mention this or not, but I'll just, just read it really quick. Uh, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15, John warns his readers, do not love the world or the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he says this, for all that is in the world, three things, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And so you see that kind of played out a little bit in Genesis chapter 3. It's appealing to, Eve looks at the fruit and it's appealing to her eyes. It's desirable to make one wise, the pride of life. And it looks like, you know, good food for the body. It looks like it would taste good, desires of the flesh. And I don't know, maybe that's kind of stretching some of those, but you definitely see the pride and the arrogance and like what you're talking about, the self-exaltation, which is not from God and and results in the punishments and the death. Yeah. And And to bring this home for ourselves personally, look at this chart and let's answer, have we done this? Have we ignored God and not had the fear of God that we should have? And have we tried to exalt ourselves to do instead of what did Jesus pray in the garden? Not my will, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. Have we lived lives where we have too often said in our actions, not your will, but my will be done. Yes. Yeah. And it's when we are respecting God and humbling ourselves, that's when we do well. When we start ignoring God and exalting ourselves, we don't do well at all. So the message of rebellion is still there. So let's pause here and and get back to the question of how God planned this. How about not put the tree in the garden? That's another option. Yeah, just have some nice trees and tell Adam and Eve, hey, you can eat anything you want. And here's another question. Um... What, it, it, does Satan get destroyed? Now, by the way, in Genesis 3, he's the serpent. It doesn't say he's Satan. In Revelation 12, yeah. and also in Romans, 
he is, you know, it's the devil. He's, he's the serpent. Mm -hmm. um, Revelation 12 says, uh, and the dragon, that old serpent, the devil, you know, our adversary, um, does, does God destroy the serpent in Genesis 3? No, he curses him. And in, in Job, when Satan uh, tries to trip up Job, does God destroy Satan? No. Or does, does, does he... Does he banish him to hell forever? No. Um, in, in Jesus's ministry, he says he saw Satan falling like lightning. Mm -hmm. In Revelation 12, after the, the crucifixion and ascension, it says the dragon was cast, was, his place was no longer in heaven. His, he is cast down to the hell? No, to the earth. earth. And then after attacking with the earth beast the sea beast and the earth beast in revelation 19 when the sea beast and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire the satan is not thrown into the lake of fire in revelation 19 he's simply what bound with the abyss and chain mm -hmm. and he's going to be loosed again mm -hmm. then finally finally in the middle of chapter 20 and right there at the time of the great white throne judgment, now what is done with Satan? Thrown into the lake of fire for the yep. beast and the false prophet. Here's my question, and then Jonathan had a comment. Uh, here's my question. If God has the power to throw Satan away from us and into hell at the very end, why not just do it way back there at the beginning? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a deep question to start discussing. Some of the comments that have come in maybe kind of relate to that a little bit. So I want to read some of those. Um, Perry said, free will must be good despite the ability to use it for evil because the tree of knowledge and good and evil was put, uh, was a part of the very good along with the okay. command not to eat of it. So with, within the design of a very good creation, God also put free will in that, the decision to choose um, in there. Uh, and then Dan Crockett said, regarding the question of why didn't God make it so we would not sin, maybe similar to why doesn't God just throw Satan into the lake of fire now? Um, God is all powerful. So that was an option, but our purpose is to worship and exalt God. If we have cho no choice, but to do that, does it hold the same meaning? On a human level, yeah. does it mean as much if we force our kids to do what we say, wouldn't it be better for them to do the right thing on their own? Okay, I like that analogy to children as well. Uh, thanks, Perry. Thanks, Dan. Um, thanks for the comments. And this reminds me of my little niece, Holly, who is now a grown woman, wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, but when she was little, um, her mom decided not to childproof the house. When you childproof a house, what do you do? You remove everything that you don't want the child to touch from their reach, you know, and you just make it child proof. And a lot of parents do that. And there might be some times when you need to, you know, don't leave the rat poison out, wait for not Ray, you know, munches on it. Mm -hmm. But um, if you child, if you try to child proof your house, um, say you leave no, nothing around that they can't touch and all the walls are whiteboard and they've got washable markers. And so they can ride all over the walls and do whatever they want. They're not gonna get hurt. They're not gonna damage and everything. 
sooner or later you have to get out of your house and go to somebody else's house right yeah yeah and and if your child hasn't learned how to behave what's child going to do at grandma's house same thing yeah so uh, holly's mom decided i'm not going to child proof my house i'm going to world proof the child basically Mm -hmm. and so she had a collection of teacups and they were down low and stopped. I could put them up high where she can never touch them. But thought, no, I'm going to train her. Don't touch them. Hmm. She liked to touch them. <laughs> she said, no, no. And she gave her a little spanking. So then Holly picked up a pencil <laughs> and touched the cup with the pencil. <laughs> no, that might work. Yeah, I'm not touching the cup. And then, and then she found out, no, no, you don't, you don't get to play excuses and things like that. And, and then Holly didn't break the cups. Uh, so she learned, there was value in learning self-control, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and, and so Ray, uh, how old is Ray now, Jonathan? Uh, he's just over three months. All right. So there's going to be a lot of things he's going to be learning. And Jonathan, mm-hmm. do you want Ray to do well or to do badly? Yeah, I want him to do well. Yeah, but he's going to have to learn how to make choices and decisions and consequences will sometimes help Ray learn mm-hmm. the difference between good and evil. Right. So here's the message of rebellion. Ignore God, exalt self, and it doesn't play out very well and they get removed. And the attitude is not your will, but mine. And by the way, notice this. The first thing Adam and Eve did after they've eaten of the fruit was hide. Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, And what do we tend to want to do with what we've done wrong? Yeah, we go look for a place to hide hide it. Yeah, hide it. And then the the second thing that they do is a tendency of ours also. (laughs) Yes, which was... Blame somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that our society today? Everything is somebody else's fault. Yes. yes. One of the things that I've noticed about people in prison sometimes is one of the reasons they keep ending up there is some of them keep not noticing where the problem was. You know, it was the policeman's fault. It was the detective's fault. It was the judge's fault. It was the lawyer's fault. It was the victim's fault. It was my mother's fault. It was my father's fault. It was society's fault. It was your ancestor's fault. It's always something besides what? Besides my me. fault. My fault. So have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? <laughs> no, I really didn't. She made me do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The woman that you gave me. Yeah, yeah. Blaming God now. Things were fine down here. And then um, look at some of the excuses we make to make. Well, I'm only human. How many times we've heard that? Nobody's perfect. Everybody does it. There's a lot of people worse than me. I can't help myself. It's not my fault. I'm the victim here. In all of these, bottom line, what are we trying to say? If circumstances were different, um, then I would have... uh been better or uh you know i'm i never make any mistakes it's all on everyone else and it's i'm 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 fine don't Mm -hmm. blame me this is not a big deal well the message of the bible is no it's a big deal and god doesn't say you know to me well i understand you know there was a tree hey the serpent said some things no there were consequences um 
And the Bible says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. So Scott, today, today the, the, uh, the scenario should go, well, God speak, I love you and I understand. So it's okay. You don't have to, you, you can go ahead and continue to eat of that tree. It's okay. I love you. I love you. Cause that's what today's world is always. God is all love. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. I was one time doing some marriage counseling for a couple older couple they, they weren't uh, uh, very spiritually minded people. Uh, they were just people in the community that needed some help. And I was trying to help them. Uh, but one thing I noticed her thing was, I just want him to accept me for the way I am. I just, I just want to be accepted for the way I am. Well, you know what, the way I am sometimes is kind of a jerk. And it's not everybody's job around me to accept that. It's my job to not be the jerk. But that's kind of our society now. You, here's who I am. Well, if what I am is selfish, uh, short-tempered, uh, greedy, dishonest, unfair, why should you guys put up with that? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Those we might not, because we're like that. But there's other things that you may be doing that in today's society of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Accepting everything evil. There's a particular types of sin that we will overlook, but not some of the things you just mentioned. Yeah, but if we're going to overlook everything and say it's all relative, why not overlook the things that you don't like? Right. So in that case, then we're using some judgment, aren't we? So we've got this problem of sin and how universal is it? What does the Bible say about the universality of sin? Everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. Yeah, Romans 3.23. Isaiah 53 says something similar. What does it say? Uh, we have all, like sheep, gone hmm. our own way. Everyone's turned to his own desires. We've abandoned the Lord. Yeah. And so uh, we've misbehaved. We've been sent to our corner. We've suffered the consequences. And God wants us to learn a lesson mm -hmm. and to leave darkness and be called into marvelous light. Now, the, I don't know of a Bible verse that says this, so I think it's important when we have a Bible verse that says something, say, this is what the text says. Mm -hmm. when, we have, when we have a inference or suggestion or theory about why it says that, we need to be careful and point out that's, you know, our presumption or our suggestion mm -hmm. if, if the Bible doesn't come out and say it. But I'm going to suggest a possibility based on some of the things that the Bible says. Mm -hmm. Since Satan is able to be there, uh, since Satan doesn't get the thrown into the lake of fire until the very end, um, it appears to me that God's willing to allow his existence. You mean Satan's existence? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Instead of just like, you know, you know, from the get go. Um, and, and now so, you're getting into, now you're getting into the, to the root of it, which I don't think we've clarified it yet. Why? 
why doesn't he just not let us do that? If he, if you said it before, he wants us to come to him voluntarily. Obviously, he wants us to come to him very much so. That's why he created us. Then why didn't he just make it so we could? I would suggest, uh, I would suggest that this world is a testing ground. Mm -hmm. um, are there? Does the Bible speak of angels that sin? Sure. Yeah, the Bible speaks. Oh, so the, you've got good and evil in the universe. You've got the potential for good and evil in the universe. It appears to me, and I'm saying appears, it appears to me that God created this world to be a battleground for good and evil to face off. And both would be allowed to exist. And God in his mercy and guidance offers the correct answers and also offers mercy for those of us that grow up in this present evil world and calls us out of darkness but that this life is a testing ground where we need to choose and and having seen eventually both sides after that first sin uh, and all the penalties, we're being called on to make a choice. And in, 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 any thoughts on any of that? Yeah. So you mentioned that those are some like inferences and and things. Um, but let's let's look at some of the Bible text of what it says about how God feels about that situation. And I think that there's really kind of a direct commentary to what happens in Genesis one through three and Revelation or in, in Romans chapter eight. So I think we mentioned this early on. But uh, Scott, you said that this is a really uh, you think powerful passage, and I agree, um, showing kind of what's going on in Romans chapter eight, verse eighteen. Paul says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that this whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who are the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. So that basically almost says a lot of the things that you already said, Scott, but it shows how God feels about it. And I really, really like there um, in uh, what verse in verse 20 and 21, yeah. um, I think verse 20 and 21 calls back to the subjection of futility. What happened in Genesis wow. chapter three, the creation right. was subjected to futility, not willingly. It didn't want to be right. It would have been great if everything stayed perfect and fine, but it was subjected by God to futility in hope that the creation would be set free in bondage. There's that hope that God has that we would come to him and, yeah. and, you know, escape the darkness with our free will and, and return to him and, and restore our relationship with him. And that's made possible through Christ. There's a lot more moving parts in that um, than what's just here in, in Romans chapter eight, but God hopes that we'll return back to him. Yeah, this is, this is such a powerful text and let's go through it really slowly because it's one of those texts. If you just read it straight through, 
it, it's not real easy to absorb. But if you take it phrase by phrase, so let's do that. It, Johnson's already identified, but let's slow down and look at it. Creation was subjected to futility. What is that referring to? That's uh, in Genesis 3, whenever there was a divergence from God's will, Eve decided she wanted to uh, you know, do what she wanted to do, and sin entered the world, and then the punishments of sin entered off afterwards. Notice that the King James says the creature was subject to vanity. Um, and you, what, what's a book in the Old Testament that says vanity of vanities, all is vanity? Uh, Ecclesiastes. Yeah, Ecclesiastes. And what's one of the main things that's bothering the guy in the book of Ecclesiastes? I got all this stuff. It didn't satisfy me. And now I'm, I'm going to die, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when was creation subjected to futility or vanity? At the fall. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're, you're a farmer. It'd be kind of nice to be a farmer when there's no thorns, no thistles, no droughts, and you just walk outside and... There's your mango, there's your pineapple, stripes. <laughs> just, you know, it's just like the grocery store, you know, it's just like a, a fruit and salad bar just there. Oh, yum, yum, yum. But real farming involves some problems, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's create, so creation was subjected to futility, Genesis 3, including the curse of death. And not willingly. Jonathan alluded to this, but slowing down. What does it mean, not willingly? It's it like what you want, said. Yeah, it didn't want to do it. It, it didn't want to be subjected. Yeah, yeah, it's like what it's like it's like what you said. It'd be way better to be a farmer with no thorns. You know, no farmer wishes that their field is full of thorns and and thistles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. When Eve is looking at that fruit, does she go, "Oh, multiplied pain in childbirth. That sounds good." No. No. She's looking at the tempting part since she's not worried about consequence. Death, ooh, that looks good. Go ahead, Jonathan. Which is another, just a quick side point. That's another, uh, you know, attribute of, of sin still today. We saw, you know, our reactions are still really, really the same, how we often point the finger and it's never my fault, but how sin presents itself is the same way also. It looks really good surface level, but if you spend any amount of time thinking about the long-term effects it's like, no, it, that's the worst thing that you could ever be involved in. Um, and so maybe a lot of sin happens in split second decisions. Yeah. Yeah. If, if we would just stop and think for a little while, we'd probably avoid a whole lot more hurt yeah. and so problems. Teenager, ooh, drugs. You know, and you're looking at the front end. You're not looking at the back. Very good. So, Scott, let me inter interject here a bit. But I get the impression, though, this is more than just human beings because he says later on we're added to it but the creation itself being the the creation the, the physical universe wasn't it cursed wasn't the ground cursed yeah uh yes it was but the curse is really placed upon adam mm -hmm. uh in other words he's the one that's going to have to deal with it by his sweat of his sure, sure. And, and 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 those type of things and I think the creation here, like it says, the whole creation, um, somewhere here, where's the phrase, the whole creation? 22. Verse 22. 22. 
Um, sometimes people ask, so this, does this include daffodils and sunflowers and woodchucks and skunks? Um, this is, this is Kai, no, 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 uh, no, I can't remember the, the Greek here. Uh, um, well, you know what, let's just check it out. It is, um, the whole creation, yeah, pas. I'm probably mispronouncing that. That is the same expression in Colossians 1, where it says the gospel has been preached to the whole creation. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think in both of these, the focus here is not the, the daffodils and the woodchucks, but us who need the gospel preached to us. Mm -hmm. Let's continue going through this slow, uh, phrase by phrase. So creation was subjected to futility the penalties on Adam and Eve and us, not willingly. It's They didn't want the penalties. They wanted the sin. They didn't want the punishment. So whose will was it? God's it will. Was, yeah, it was God's will. And then, um, as Jonathan pointed out, what was God's motivation? Hope. That hope. we would have hope. Yeah, hope that what? That the yeah. creation would be set free from that bondage and obtain freedom so here's uh, an illustration i think of this luke chapter 15 the parable of the uh the younger son here and the older son who's in there too what's the attitude of the younger son right here he wants the immediate blessings so he yeah. says give me my share of the property is he thinking about consequences at this point not at no. all. No. Is he respecting his father? No. No. He's showing no respect for his father and everything immediate gratification for self. What was Eve doing in the garden? Thinking of herself. No respect for the father, immediate gratification for herself, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And then where does he want to be? Far away doing his own thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he squandered his property in reckless living. By the way, everybody wants God's blessings. They don't want his rules. Everybody mm -hmm. wants God's blessings. Your atheist friends want God's blessings. They don't know they're God's blessings. They may not admit they're God's blessings, but how many of your atheist friends want the sun to come up? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. How many of your atheist friends want rains to water the crops? How many of your atheist friends want the plants and animals, you know, to be here that God put here? How many of them want the oxygen that the trees produce? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants God's blessings, but not the relationship, not the rules. And that's this son here. Now, because play stupid games, win stupid prizes. <laughs> what happens? He falls on hard times and loses everything. Yes. And Jewish boy wishing he had it as good as a pig. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. And what does verse 17 say? But when came he finally came to himself, yeah. He came to himself and he said, How many of my father's hired servants have enough bread to eat? But I'm perishing with hunger. Now, if the father had arranged for the far country to be lost sunproof and 
no drought can ever happen. You can never run out of money. You know, no prostitute will ever rob you. You know, you'll never have a hangover after getting drunk. If somebody could have fixed that up, would the fellow have ever come to his senses? No, no. no. Suffering the consequences of his foolishness taught him a lesson. When he came to himself, what did he say? I need to return back to my father. <laughs> yeah. And does he come back thinking, oh, I deserve what I had before? No. Comes back humble and uh, understanding his mistake and asking for forgiveness. So he left arrogant and he came back humble. Mm -hmm. He left without respect for his father. He comes back with respect for his father. He left thinking, I deserve everything. And he comes back wanting to just be a what? Just let me be a servant. Yeah. Yeah. Now, because the father loves him, does the father say, you're right. You're not a son anymore. Their servants quarters get to work. No. no, no. Mm-hmm. He comes and kisses him in verse 20, runs out and embraces him, kisses him. And then the son gives his spiel that he had said that he'd sinned against him and wasn't worthy. And then the father says, bring quickly the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and, and shoes on his feet. And they go and kill the fatted lamb and celebrate that his son was back. So our time's up. I'm going to read 20 and 21, see if you guys have final comments. And the, But with thinking about that story of the lost son, listen to this, and thinking about Adam and Eve and ourselves. Creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Mm -hmm. There's probably a whole lot more that we could um, say about that. So for our audience, um, if you guys have more comments or questions uh, about that topic and God's plan and our free will and how that all works together, um, there, there are plenty of things to talk about with that. We'd be happy to continue to discuss this if anyone would like that to happen. Or if you have any other Bible questions or topics you'd like discussed on BibleQuest, um, you can submit those to us at BibleQuest.tv, and we'll be happy to do that in our future shows. But uh, like Scott said, that's all the time that we have for this week. So thank you, Scott. Thank you, Drew. And thank you to our audience. And we'll, we'll look forward to seeing you all next week, Lord willing.